This is Character Development, Episode 6, Zuzana Lova. Hi, I'm Suzanne Nugent. I'm an author and a screenwriter, and I love talking to innovators, authors, and artists about their creative process and the real-life character arcs that happen along the way. I always walk away from these kinds of conversations feeling inspired, and I hope this podcast does the same for you. This is Character Development. Hello, it's Suzanne. My guest today is Zuzana Lova, the director of the hybrid documentary, She Is. Zuzana directed a really powerful film. And in our conversation today, we talk about career transitions, learning new skills as you go through a project, the challenges of shooting a documentary on a tight budget, and what it's like to direct a film that took almost eight years to make. This is my conversation with Zuzana Lova. This film has been in production for a long time. And the reason I know that is because I remember talking to you about it at a baby shower years ago, and that baby is now seven. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds crazy, but it's true. (laughs) It it has been, I think now it's eight years. And uh, we started in 2016 is when the idea came Let's do a documentary about the work we do and show the world. And that's when we started to work on Indiegogo. So I think that was around that time to raise some funds. And we took 2016 to build a campaign and run it. And then 2017 is when we started pre-production and started shooting as well. And it's crazy. It's literally seven, eight years. Yes. (laughs) Well, so you mentioned the work you do. Can you tell me more about that? Mm -hmm. So I'm part of a nonprofit. It's called She Is. And we work with uh, survivors of sexual abuse and sex trafficking through dance. So we teach them dance classes, yoga, meditation. And the goal is to hopefully have them reconnect with their bodies and start feeling comfortable in their bodies. Because any survivor of sexual abuse and sex trafficking, there is a big disconnection with the body because obviously that's what holds the trauma. So we are trying to find a way to find something joyful they can do with their bodies and kind of feel safe to come back that's something you teach locally, also internationally? Mm -hmm, Both. So we are located in Los Angeles and we teach here. Uh, Through the pandemic, it actually became easier to teach in a lot of other places because everything moved to Zoom. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of nonprofits discovered, oh, it doesn't matter that we are in New York or Hawaii, we can still have the girls teach on Zoom. So we started to teach at GEMS in New York and in a nonprofit in Hawaii that has survivors of sexual abuse and trafficking. And once a year, we go to Southeast Asia, where we spend about two weeks with the girls, and we teach them dance every day. We also do day trips, which is so much fun. We get to take them to water parks and theater shows. And that's our favorite thing, because we really get to bond. Yeah, and let them be girls. Yeah, exactly. They get to be girls again. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were working in this way. When did it become, we have to make a documentary about this? So Isabella started the nonprofit in 2014. I joined in 2015, and that's when I went on my first mission trip. And Bella already had this idea one day, I want to make a documentary about the work we do, because it's such a beautiful experience to see the girls grow so much and become so loving and trusting. And we really wanted to share it with the world and show how much it can help them heal. So we talked about it there and I already brought, (laughs) I actually brought a camera and was shooting a little bit, which if you know me, you know, I know nothing about technical stuff. I can hardly like (laughs) use my iPhone, (laughs) but somehow I recorded some footage 
And we use that for the Indiegogo just to show the classes and what we do and different projects. And that's how we started. She asked me if I would want to direct it. And I said yes, even though I never directed a thing before. (laughs) And I didn't know what I'm saying yes to. But I love documentaries. I love watching documentaries. I'm a nerd for documentaries. So I was really excited. When did you realize what you did say yes to in terms of being a director of a documentary? Oh my goodness. That's a great question. I think through the whole process. Well, especially now looking back, knowing it, it took eight years and I had to learn everything, every single thing I had to learn, how to run pre-production, how to find location, how to do call sheets, how to do taxes, how to keep receipts, how to work with editor and music composer. Because you're a producer on this too. Yes. Yeah. It's basically me and Isabella doing everything because obviously there's not money that we had. So we had to do everything ourselves and try to find as many locations who would allow us to shoot for free and as many people who would like to collaborate for a very low price for their services who are just passionate about the project. Um, every step of the way was a learning process. Even now, distribution, when we had to submit all of the things to our distributor, Gravitas, oh my goodness. I think so much of filmmaking is that just figuring it out. It really yeah. is. And all creative things. Mm-hmm. It- learning as you go and building on what you already know. Yeah, yeah. And I think it helped that I was my whole life professional dancer. So I was always on the set of commercials and movies and TV. So there's certain aspects of the filmmaking I knew. But obviously, when it comes to behind the scenes, I knew nothing. Yeah, I, I talked to a, an author who she started in journalism. And she was saying that, that, that really, it's always about being able to learn. It's really not about the skill you already have. It's about being willing to ask the questions Mm -hmm. and be flexible and not trying to act like you know everything. Right. And I'm sure every project you will learn something new. It will need something else. And especially when it comes to documentaries, there's nothing set in stone. You can kind of think, oh, it's going to be the story kind of like this, but you don't know what you're going to shoot. You don't know what people will share with you. Mm -hmm. So you don't really know what the story actually will be till you finish shooting and start editing which was interesting process. Okay, so let's talk about that because what I remember from film school is there was a professor who said, there's the story you write, there's the story you shoot, and there's the story you edit. Mm-hmm. And there is, there's a huge difference between start and finish. Um, and I would think in documentaries, it's even more more profound the difference from start to finish what your intention is going in versus and maybe maybe you can't even set an intention when right. you're looking to tell a real story so how did mm-hmm. the narrative kind of reveal itself to you i had an amazing writer that i worked with megan so she was my right hand because i know i will need help putting the story together and we knew there's two parts to our movie one is isabella's story and taking her back to her uh, house where she grew up and the places she lived and worked at. And the second storyline was the girls we work with in Southeast Asia and their journey and their healing. So the hardest part was figuring out how we connect these two together and make it flow nicely and seamlessly and make it make sense. You did a great job with that, going back oh, and thank forth. You. Yes, That's really my writer. Because that was one of the hardest things. How do we go back and forth, make it make sense and make it flow? That was really, I think, one of the biggest challenge when it comes to putting this film together. 
And it comes back to, you know, us taking Isabel to these places and not knowing how much she will reveal, how much open she will be and vulnerable, and if that is going to work or not. And mm-hmm. she just did such an amazing job of really letting us in and letting her guard down yeah. and just being in the moment, which is everything we could ask for. Because if that doesn't happen, then the audience has nothing to connect to, right? right? And we ask her basically to go back to the most traumatic parts of her life. And she allowed us to do it, which really, really is just amazing and brave on her side. Yeah, she's really the spine of the story because it's kind of her telling her own story, but also healing through helping other people through dance. And I'm wondering, was, I mean, this is obviously, this could be a question for her, but was making the film and sharing the story another layer of healing this mm-hmm. experience she had? So we actually um, talked about it a few days ago on another interview. And uh, so I can kind of share her opinion on that. Um, and yes, definitely it was. It was also hard at sometimes because certain parts that she thought she healed already, revisiting them, she figured out she did not. And there was yeah. more trauma. And I know after shooting in certain places she would have more episodes of ptsd mm-hmm. and it would bring back a lot of memories which was really hard on her and we would have to take breaks to allow her to just kind of work through it and heal before continue shooting in different locations so it was definitely healing but also showing where she needs to heal more yeah if that yeah. makes sense yeah in the description it it's referred to as a hybrid documentary can you explain the distinction mm-hmm so one of my favorite documentaries is Bombay Beach by Alma Harrell. Oh my God, I love it. That was one of my muses. I watched that documentary about 30 times <laughs> at each stage of the movie, pre-production, production, and post. And I would break it down by scenes and beats and transitions and everything. And that's a hybrid documentary. And what basically it means that there is, it is a documentary when it's in the moment, you are recording the person, things happen as they unfold naturally. But there are also parts of the movie that are staged and created as a movie would be, which basically represents all our dance scenes that were choreographed and staged and costume designed. So it's a mixture of natural moments that happen and staged performances that happen. And there are a lot of cinematic elements in your film Mm-hmm. Namely, the dance sequences, which, of course, it, it, they're perfect transitions between the hard things. Mm-hmm. It shows the beauty of the women supporting each other, too. Especially, it ends on that note where there's the beautiful dance sequence. And, of course, now, okay, I have to ask some filmmakery questions mm-hmm. <laughs> about that sequence where you shot in the desert. It looks mm-hmm. like the desert. Where were you? Was uh, that- it was actually kind of Palmdale right here. Okay. So that was, uh, we actually reserved Lake Mirage, I think. It's kind of like the dry lake. Yeah. And we already paid for it. We had it reserved. And then the government went on strike and they basically oh. revoked all the licenses for renting any kind of place that's oh. government owned. And it was a week before our shoot. So we had to scramble, we had to find this private land that's owned in Palmdale that they rent for different music video shoots, and um, which was obviously way more expensive. But thank God, because we are a non-profit, a lot of times they allow us to give yeah. us discount for tax write-off. So we were lucky enough. And I think it worked better because 
it had so many different locations. It was a huge land. So we could find three different locations to shoot in on that one land. It's beautiful. Of course, I was looking at it and it just completely mesmerized by the hope and mm. beauty that that you're leaving the film with or leaving the audience with, but also in my head going, oh my God, the sand, oh my God, the, the heat, oh my God, <laughs> the hair and makeup. And I'm just wondering what were some of the challenges on that shoot? Ooh, so it was actually shot in January. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it wasn't that hot. But. So it was freezing in the morning. <laughs> and the biggest challenge was that it's just land. There's no bathroom. There's no building. There's nothing there. While at the Lake Mirage, there was there's a facility. So we knew now switching to this property, where are we going to hold the dancer? Where are they going to go to the restroom? We had about 25 dancers who donated their time to rehearse for two days and shoot for a day and drive all the way there for free. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the minimum we can do is provide something for them. So our friend actually actually rented like this SUV, mm-hmm. big, big kind of a van. How do you call it? Not a van, but RV. A RV, yes, yeah, yeah. yes, yes, RV. Thank you. That has a bathroom in it, but it was one bathroom for 30 people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that's all we could afford. Indie filmmaking is camping. It it's, is. Yes. Yeah. And on the way out, the RV got stuck in the sand and they couldn't get out. So they had to call a towing company to help them dig out the RV from the sand. It's everything you could imagine. Um, But it was amazing to have all the dancers. And we had uh, Isabella parents were were there. They brought food and cater for everybody. And we had a costume designer there helping with the costumes. And I had two of my friends helping me as an 80s because we were moving from location to location there. Yeah. Um, it was a big production, definitely. That was one of the most fun, but also most difficult days because we only had so many hours and we had to shoot this full dance number. So we got there really early, scouted, picked the three different places where we will shoot. And we had a drone. Our friend recorded it with a drone. So it was very complex for us, but so worth it. It looked, I mean, I, I couldn't help it. I was looking at that and going, oh my God, in a drone, you know, and I was thinking about the bathrooms too. I have to be honest yeah. with you because I was looking at this desert location and I was, because I, I don't like camping. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that is yeah. kind of what I was looking at too, but um, it's amazing what you can overcome in that kind of uh, like when people are dedicated mm. to a project. Oh yeah. I definitely have to thank all of the dancers because it's different when you're looking at it as a producer and you don't have the money and you are like, okay, well, we'll take, you know, one bathroom, it's going to be fine. And yeah. you are running around all day. You don't even go to the restroom for 12 right. hours. Right. But being as a dancer on different projects where it is one bathroom for 30 people, you are like, really? Oh my God, they couldn't get a few. So yes. I know it's different perspective for the people that you ask favors from. Yeah. So I'm really grateful for all of them. So I love career arcs. I love talking about career arcs and you started as a dancer. Mm-hmm. Did you ever plan to go into directing? It's just kind of happened. And do you think you'll stay in directing? So I never planned it. I think most of the time being on a set as a dancer, I would always think to myself, oh, I would never want to be a director because you are there before everybody. You are on every single shoot scene and you are there after everybody. As a dancer performer, you come in, you kind of hang out, you eat, you shoot a little bit and you go home. And I always thought it's so time consuming and exhausting to be a director. (laughs) I would never want to do that. (laughs) 
And then this happened and I loved every part of it. I never knew that I would be so passionate about filmmaking and just, it makes me so happy being creative and figuring out the stories and how to make it work. So yeah, it's something I discovered that I absolutely love this process and I would love to make another one. I actually wrote a documentary series and I would love to one day work on that. Tell me what the series is. It would be similar to She Is, but every uh, episode covers a different topic and follows different women. Love Mm -hmm. it. So we talked about how this project started. How did it get finished? Finally wrapping it up and getting distribution. We, We were editing through the pandemic and we had to take about a year break where we were trying to find funds for post production. And once we finished editing and we had a rough cut of the movie, we actually found investors who wanted to help us finish this project. And I honestly thought, since each part of this movie making was my first time, that production would be the hardest. But Mm -hmm. it turns out that post-production is a whole another beast that I didn't realize how difficult it is to just edit the movie. Because there's no outline. It's a documentary to really figure out the flow cutting certain parts that we show that we never used certain locations that we just had to say goodbye to um, for us mixing it with the dance and figuring out what is the correct flow when the dance comes in and comes out, how much do we show of it um, was also a challenge in the beginning. We had poems over the dance sequences and I think we went a little too far maybe for people. So we kind of cut back on it. So it was really just figure out the whole flow and then, music composing music for the movie is a whole another beast (laughs) right i was gonna ask you about licensing did you find this the songs that you used or did you have them written for the production so the whole movie is composed by miracle barbacino uh, except the two dances those songs were donated to us by the singer wonderful yeah great and they're so beautiful and they could not be more perfect for each scene they really are perfect so well. for it. Yes. Yeah. And it's yeah. something she already had on Wonderful. iTunes. Great. And they just fit so well. And you found mm-hmm. her, did you know her? So it's Marissa Lauren, and she actually performed on one of our fundraisers. And we love the song. I think she performed the last closing song. So we contacted her and uh, if we could listen to her other music and if she would be okay for us to use it for the documentary. And she allowed us to use it. You also shot with a rescue organization. Were there some logistical issues about shooting mm-hmm. internationally? Mm-hmm. We shot that? in Southeast Asia. It was one of the countries in that region. Uh, we were not allowed to disclose the country to protect okay. the nonprofit from government policies. So okay. we always refer to it as Southeast Asia. And it was actually, we were trying to figure out, can we shoot here in the States with a nonprofit? But it's actually logistically way harder to shoot in the United States than anywhere overseas Mm -hmm. because the girls here are protected. All the locations are secret. You're not allowed to even talk to the girls. So to bring a camera, it it would just be absolutely impossible. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for us to go to Destiny Rescue was way easier. They really allowed us to have access to the girls as long as they were okay being filmed, wanted to share their stories on camera. So and I want to say too, you did a great job of um, maintaining their anonymity, and mm-hmm. you did not exploit them any further than they've already been exploited, which is 
probably a challenge with telling this kind of story as well. Oh my God, yes. I think that was the second biggest challenge was we knew we cannot show their faces. Mm -hmm. How do we help audience to connect with girls without showing their faces and with their stories? So Mm -hmm. that was really difficult for us to figure out how do we show their joy or their sadness when they're sharing the story without revealing their face. So we really tried to make it happen. And Nathan was amazing at figuring out Mm -hmm. how to capture that and really capture their essence while not showing their faces. Yeah. Um, I think the hardest part about shooting overseas was more technical stuff. So taking equipment, equipment there and then figuring out one of the lavas didn't work. Now we had to find a rental there, figuring out how if you know how it's going to work with their technical stuff. Uh, batteries, we didn't bring batteries, and we didn't realize that batteries over there they would last about three minutes when we oh put God. it in the loss. It was just <laughs> it was impossible. It was impossible. So a lot of technical stuff, and also knowing we are there for two weeks and we have to shoot everything that we want to have because yeah. we cannot afford to come back. Mm-hmm. While in states we can shoot another day, we can add locations we can add days we can interview isabella for another day but when we go to asia that's all we have get everything you're gonna need Mm -hmm. ever yes Mm -hmm. so that was the hardest part we shot like 12 hours every day just making sure we have everything we could possibly think of wow and in some ways i think when you get limits like that in editing it might be a little easier because then you're it's kind of revealed to you versus you trying to Mm-hmm. make something exactly right? and as you're yeah. shooting you will already know oh that's a special moment we will definitely use that mm-hmm. and you know sometimes you turn on the camera on certain person that's amazing and explaining the background and everything but the moment the camera is on yeah they cannot get a word out of themselves yes so then you knew like we are not going to use anything from this interview <laughs> yeah so you kind of you know, make a little point list as you shoot because you know what is very special and what will really help audience to understand and connect. Okay. So can you tell me where listeners can hear more about you and your organization and the film? Yeah. So our organization, you can see us, sheispowerful.org. And you can see different classes that we teach, what exactly we do. If you want to become part of the organization, you want to donate. There are also resources for survivors. Uh, You can contact us if you need any help, want to talk to somebody, or if you want to attend classes. We do free classes for survivors in the Los Angeles area once to twice a month. Uh, Isabel's teaching those, so you can definitely join. And when it comes to the documentary, you can go to sheisdocumentary.org, and you can find our documentary on Prime Video, iTunes, Roku, Voodoo, and a lot of smaller channels as well. And Apple TV. That's where I watched it. Yes. Yes. And it's called She Is Dot Dot Dot. Great. Thank you so much for being here. I love talking to you again. Yes, I, <laughs> I love talking to you and I love talking about filmmaking with you. It's very exciting and I'm it really is. happy for you. And this project just is, it's been inspiring to see you work on it for so you, long and see it through. Yeah, and for anybody who watches it and likes our movie, please leave us a review on iTunes or Rotten Tomatoes. It will help us to tell other audience members when they look up our movie if people liked it. I'm going to do that too. Yay! Okay, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Character Development with Suzanne Nugent. 
If you liked the show, please subscribe and give it a rating. If you didn't like the show, please subscribe and give it a rating. We can still be friends. Sign up for our monthly newsletter at SuzanneNugent.com slash podcast. That's S-U-Z-A-N-N-E-N-U-G-E-N-T dot com slash podcast. Or just follow the link in the show notes. That's it for now. Until next time, I'm Suzanne Nugent, and I'm glad we had this talk. 